the Brussels Report podcast. Welcome to the new episode of the Brussels Report uh, podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Peter Kleppe and I'm the editor-in-chief of uh, Brussels Report. And I'm very happy to have um, as my guest today, uh, Demir Murat Seyrek, who is a uh, Turkish-Belgian uh, citizen. Uh, he's a senior policy advisor at the uh, European Foundation for Democracy, which does a lot of good work here in Brussels um, uh, on the topic of, uh, of radicalization and, and uh, bolstering civil society as a, to, to help defend them against, uh, against that. Uh, Murat is al- also um, a real uh, foreign policy uh, expert and, 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 and is often in the media. Uh, he has his own um, um, YouTube um, show, you can say, uh, called uh, Talk Turkey. Turkey. Uh, this uh, covers, as you can guess, uh, Turkey and the developments there. And, and he's doing that together with a Turkish journalist, a very uh, well-known Turkish journalist, uh, Nefsin Mengu. Uh, now, um, uh, welcome, Murat. Hi, Peter. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, today, of course, there's so many topics that you're knowledgeable about, also the European Union and radicalization. Uh, but uh, today, I actually I would like to to focus on on your uh, your native country, uh, Turkey, which is of course incredibly important um, for Europe, not only economically but also uh, in geo strategy uh, when it comes to uh, migration, eh, which is not a uh, not a small unimportant political topic in Europe, as everybody know. Uh, so um, that's what I want to cover uh, with you uh, today for this uh, podcast. And and my, my first question is um, Erdogan. Um, I mean, w- what's your assessment on on the, on his chances to um, uh, to remain in charge? Well, I think things are changing uh, slowly in Turkey, and seeing the credible poll companies, um, it's not very likely that he will be re-elected in the next elections. At least it's going to be very, very challenging for him. Actually, he's continuously losing support since 2018 elections. Um, And according to the new presidential system, uh, he will need majority, meaning 50% plus one. And this is also making his job Mm -hmm. much more complicated because in the past, uh, in the parliamentary system, even sometimes 35-36% was enough for him to be the ruling party. But this is not uh, the case anymore. And that's why he seems to be uh, in trouble. Uh, it's not that uh, clear as the previous elections uh, to, to get that 50% threshold. Actually, he's quite far from there now. But this is also a part of a long-term downward trend, what we can talk about. Because uh, first, he was in a position to have a majority all alone. Then he started to need the alliance with the Nationalist Party, MHP. Mm-hmm. And it's not a very easy alliance, I must say. And now, even with his alliance, his support level is somewhere around 40 42%, according to many polls, like AKP combined with MHP. And of course, in the West, I know that there is this understanding that he will find a way to be reelected. And I mean, while it's true that he will certainly try all possible ways, maybe even including potential changes in the electoral system. His job is not going to be easy at all. Mm-hmm. And I know that that understanding is very dominant still in Brussels, like he will find a way, AKP will find a way. Uh, 
but many people in the West, I think they don't really understand the internal dynamics in Turkey very well. Many believe that, okay, AKP is extremely strong. They have full control on everything, but this is not the case. And we have seen so many examples because many thought AKP would allow the opposition, wouldn't allow the opposition's victory, for example, in big cities in 2019 municipal elections. Mm-hmm. Um, but AKP, AKP lost all, almost the majority of big cities, including Istanbul, Ankara and Izmir, three biggest cities. And then the same people claim that, okay, but the, the election in Istanbul is cancelled. You see, they will not let opposition win. But then the opposition won again. It was even a bigger victory. So I think many Turkey experts, or some of them, I call them so-called Turkey experts, huh. claim, the, claim the same thing for new parties. They always claim that, oh, Erdogan will not allow to establish new parties in Turkey. But I mean... Meral Akşener, she established E-Party. I think she has become a game changer in Turkish politics. Now we're talking about around 15% support. And then there are also these breakaway parties of Babacan and Davutoğlu. They they left AKP to establish their own parties. And even if they they are small, they are there. And even a few percent can change a lot, especially that they are acting uh, in coordination with the other opposition parties. So I think the main reason behind is many people in Brussels, they like to see things as black and white, and they like to categorize and analyze everything accordingly. And in this understanding, Turkey is not a full functioning democracy. Mm -hmm. And then as they need to categorize Turkey, they said, okay, let's categorize Turkey with the countries like Russia and Belarus. And this is a big mistake because dynamics in Turkey are very different. History of democratization is very different. And despite all major issues, I mean, we can really talk about strong opposition, civil society, and even independent journalists, because they found a way, they were very creative to create their own channels and using the new media very effectively. I mean, we cannot even talk about mainstream media in Turkey anymore today, because all those mainstream channels, people don't even watch them, but people follow (laughs) Uh, all the new new channels, YouTube videos, and uh, all the websites created. So that's why I think uh, there's a good chance for a democratic change. And in a way, I mean, all those messages coming from the West, oh, what you're doing is so nice and so courageous, but I mean, AKP people find a way and stay in power. It's probably even a big insult for people who believe in democracy and really fighting mm-hmm. for it every day. So that's, uh, that's also something I think uh, people here should, should understand. I mean, eventually, AK, AKP, yes, they can even win the elections, uh, even if it's less and l- less likely, but it's not going to be easy. And it's probably the most challenging one ever for Erdogan. And it will also be an historical moment for Turkish democracy. I mean, there are major issues and not that from now till then, AKP will be able to solve these issues. And that's in 2023 at the latest, right? At the latest, if there are no snap elections, people speculate about it all the time. Opposition is asking for snap elections almost every day. Okay, very interesting. Well, of course, a uh, very optimistic message and, and I can only hope that you're right. But, but this sounds like uh, very fascinating. Uh, now, of course, um, the the backstory here is is the Turkish economy, I guess. 
um, and Erdogan partially because of that losing support. Now, if we look at Turkish inflation data, I mean, European inflation data aren't great, but, but especially in Turkey in the last two years, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, there's been a lot of uh, loss of purchasing power of the Turkish uh, currency, the lira. Uh, now, now, in your view, how, how is the economy really doing? And, and to what extent does this actually affect uh, politics? Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, starting with your second question, because that's the principal issue. I think mm -hmm. economy is nowadays number one issue. And for the Turkish electorate, two-thirds for the two-third of them, economic issues, including inflation, unemployment, and purchasing power, according to polls, are the most important problems in the country. So obviously, this is, of course, um, affecting their uh, political choices too. And this is also one of the reasons behind the downward trend in support to AKP. I mean, economic development and support provided to low- and middle-income families played a very important role, I think, in AKP's popularity in the, in the last 15, 18 years. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, the official inflation is around 19%. Uh, however, there is major issue nowadays in Turkey. Like People don't believe in the official figures anymore. And probably right, they so. are right <laughs> to do so. <laughs> and according to many polls, very big majority, around 70%, more than 70% of people, including AKP's electorate, they don't find the official figure credible. I mean, personally, I'm not an economist myself and I don't have access to data, but many economists calculate the real inflation rate between 30 to 40%. Uh, I cannot verify this, uh, but at least I can tell you that many um, prestigious uh, economists in Turkey, that's what they claim. And according to my personal experience, yes, you can see that the prices are really skyrocketing. Even when I go there every six months, uh, you, can see the, you can see the change. You can see the change in the cost of living as well. Mm. And this has, of course, major consequences on political balances. I think... Even in 2019, municipal elections displayed a role. And now the perception about economic issues is probably much stronger. And even more importantly, in the past, I think many believe that, okay, AKP will, will solve the problems. And this belief is not there anymore, even among the AKP's hardcore supporters. And this is also a major, I think, uh, mindset uh, change. Mm. Well, and maybe... Um... Also related to that is is um, the issue of the um, the refugees in Turkey. So, if I'm not mistaken, there's three or four million uh, people from Syria uh, currently living in Turkey, and and in the media we saw some uh, anti-Syrian um, migrant uh, ref refugee hostility. At least maybe that was exaggerated. I don't know. Um, maybe you can shine some light on that. And, and to what extent can this have an impact on the, the, the EU-Turkey deal, whereby the European mm -hmm. Union um, sends a lot of money to help Turkey um, um, you know, uh, take care of these people? Um, and uh, to what extent can this have an, an effect on, on uh, possible future deals that may be needed 
to cope with migratory flows, for example, uh, from from Afghanistan. If we have to um, expect that, that's of course another question. But but at least I mean it, it's definitely a possibility that what's going on in Afghanistan will ultimately uh, put back um, EU-Turkey relations um, in the spotlight. So so what's your what's your thinking on all that? Uh, well, actually, I, I told you that the, the number one issue is economy, according mm-hmm. to polls, and number two issue is the refugees. And actually, compared to the EU member states, we didn't really see a very strong anti-refugee sentiment in Turkey, like back in 2015, 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until the economic issues emerged, this was the case. And refugee issue was not even a part of the political debate until recently. Even when the anti-refugee sentiment started to be powerful among people, uh, many political parties didn't really abuse this in opposition. However, yes, this is rapidly changing. The refugee issue has also become one of the fundamental issues in politics uh, because the level of discontent is very high nowadays and the hostility towards refugees uh, is increasing. And a game-changing development, I think the opposition parties have started to use this against the government. So mm-hmm. they are connecting the refugee issue to the unsuccessful foreign policy of the AKP. And they claim that when they come to power, they will find ways to send most of the refugees back to Syria. I mean, you can question whether this is realistic or not. In my opinion, it's not realistic. They are Mm. a big majority of them. They are there to stay. Mm. Uh, But now the opposition, at least using this, and people, um, they like to hear this, apparently, because there is really this anti-refugee feeling at the moment. And also the potential refugee wave from Afghanistan, I think, also contributed into the fear in -hmm. society. I think... Turkey has really reached a point where probably Germany reached five years ago. And of course, this was rather quick for Germany. I mean, it was one year after refugee crisis and after one million refugees. In Turkey, this is happening while hosting more than four million refugees. And Mm. when there's a new prospect, actually, for a new refugee wave. But the result is the same. Turkey doesn't want any more refugees. And Mm. no deal can change that. I mean... um, Turkey has also started to control the borders more effectively, especially after the videos emerged this summer showing small groups of uh, Afghan men crossing the border just like very easily, as just like a touristic trip. And such news also created a lot of anger in Turkey. So now the government, actually, they don't even have a choice. I mean, in terms of the refugee policy, they need to be seen also as anti-refugee. I mean, not in terms of the people already in Turkey, but in terms of new refugees. I mean, no one wants new refugees in Turkey anymore. And it's part of the domestic politics now. And it will be one of the fundamental issues during the election campaign too. Um, This may not have actually direct consequences for the current deal with the EU, especially, I think, if the EU keeps the promise to renew the financial support to refugees in Turkey. But one thing is, I think, crystal clear, it's impossible to expect a similar deal regarding the Afghan refugees, for example. In a strange way, though, this may also create a new channel for cooperation between Turkey and the EU, 
because EU doesn't want refugees, Turkey doesn't want refugees, then they may need to cooperate and coordinate mm. efforts regarding Afghanistan and its neighbors. So EU may need Turkey for effective cooperation with the neighboring countries because Turkey has good relations with many of those countries in the region. And then Turkey may need the financial assistance the EU may provide to those countries. Well, um, so something uh, something to follow. It actually reminded me a little bit on um, of Lebanon, where, where you had sort of, I mean, that's an extreme scenario, but where you had um, the civil war uh, at some point. And, and it cannot be denied that the, the presence of, of large group of, of Palestinian refugees sort of altered the balance in in um, in Lebanon um, just reminded me and, and and therefore sort of like destabilized the situation just as a as a reminder that it's not just in in the West that that uh, uh, disorderly migration flows can be a very important political topic and political dynamites that we should never um, underestimate I think I mean as also yeah. Supporters yeah. of migration, uh, we I think have to be very mindful uh, that it happens in an orderly manner, or or the backlash can be really uh, really dangerous. Yeah, but I mean, also the difference in Turkey probably. I mean, uh, we cannot see any political parties who would really uh, be in, in a position to use refugees for political power. I mean, mm. at the moment. The entire, I think, the electorate from AKP to almost uh, uh, left and social democrats, they are all against new refugees. So it's even quite different than uh, Western Europe. Here, at least, we can see that divide between uh, central right and central left. In Turkey, I mean, the, the party who started this rhetoric of sending back the Syrian refugees by having uh, negotiating a deal with uh, with Assad, uh, this sort of um, rhetoric is coming from actually central left opposition party. Oh, well. Okay, well, interesting. Uh, next question, more um, about Turkey and um, and its relationship with NATO. So there's been all this talk of 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 of, of Turkey. Uh, getting closer to Russia. And then, of course, the example that's often given is, is the fact that Turkey is purchasing a Russian S-400 uh, missile defense system uh, systems from, from Russia. Mm-hmm. And, and especially the United States is, is very um, uh, is, is quite angry about it and annoyed. Now, what's your idea about this? And, and, and maybe bro- more broadly, is there also an approachment um, between Turkey and, and China? Mm-hmm. Um, well, one thing is very clear. We cannot really easily talk about a clear foreign policy line nowadays. Yes, AKP tried to have better relations with Russia, but also they learned, I think, in a hard way that Russia is not a partner like the US or the EU. Mm. Um, moreover, Turkey, Russia, they don't really have common interests. I mean, they have actually conflicting interests in many regions, including Western Balkans, Eastern Mediterranean, Southern Caucasus, Syria, Central Asia. And yes, Turkey spent billions actually for this S-400 missile defense systems. And in my opinion, it's unfortunately a wasted money. Um, (laughs) Turkey doesn't integrate and use them and probably they will never be used in Turkey. 
Okay. Um, and actually, especially after Biden, AKP started to turn towards the West too, at least to decrease tension with the US, with the EU, but also reach out to countries like uh, Egypt, Israel, UAE to normalize ties. And S-400 is still the major issue between US and Turkey, though. Turkey is trying to find an acceptable way for both sides. And, but there is no doubt that I think Turkey prefers better relations with the West nowadays. And economic situation is also, I think, one of the reasons, because Turkey's main business partners are still in the West. I mean, when we see Turkey's main export destinations, we see Germany as number one, and then the UK, US, Italy, France, Spain, the Netherlands. We don't see Russia, we don't see China. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's actually natural to want better ties with the West, especially uh, if you have, if you are experiencing economic issues in the country. There is no consistency, though. I mean, we like it or not, the old Turkey before AKP had a clear foreign policy, pro-West, pro-NATO, and we cannot see a clear policy line anymore. I mean, they tried all these different policies, like some neo-Ottoman, some approaching to Muslim countries, some approaching to uh, the Middle East to, uh, to be the leader of that, that world, so-called. But it failed. It failed massively. And people in Turkey nowadays, they don't even want to hear about the Middle East. That's why, in a very actually ironic way, um, because the support to the EU process in Turkey, it uh, was really like historically low uh, number a few years ago, mm -hmm. under 50%. And now last two, three years, we see that it's back to like 60, 65%. Because okay. people again see the West as the only credible uh, alternative. They don't want to hear about Middle East, Russia, China. And of course, cooperation with China is there. And it's again, I think, a bit connected to the economic issues as well. Um, of course, I mean, China cannot uh, all alone be enough for Turkish economy, but many Chinese companies are, yes, investing in Turkey. Some Chinese banks are giving uh, credits and loans. And this is not very sustainable, though, because at the political level, yes, there is cooperation, but anti-China feeling is extremely strong among Turkish public. And people are very sensitive about the Uyghur issue because it's a, yes. it's a Turkic group. Mm, and they exactly. just feel like, okay, they are the brothers and China is putting a lot of pressure on them. China is killing them. So mm. uh, it's impossible to create that sort of really people-to-people -people connection between Turkey and China. That's why such a policy uh, line cannot be sustainable. And maybe one last thing. I must add that cooperation with the United Kingdom uh, has also been upgraded following, following Brexit. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably for economic, political, even military relations, it is uh, at a historically top point. And we should also watch this trend very carefully. I mean, the political um, dialogue is at very high level between Turkey and the UK, but also economic and security cooperation too. Oh, that's very interesting. 
um, especially the last uh, the last point. I don't think that has been already on the radar of many people uh, here in Brussels. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, last question, um, which is a little bit tied in in in, in what we just discussed, um, and maybe what we could call the neo Ottoman uh, uh, sort of uh, approach, is that you now see uh, Turkey being active. Uh, not only in Syria, which is sort of, let's say, um, uh, related to its border protection, but but also in Libya. And then there were even talks of, uh, I'm not sure to what extent that has uh, been realized, of Turkey securing the airport in Afghanistan, in Kabul. What, what, is, what is going on there? Is there like, a, is, um, is this a trend or is this just... Um, something that that happened more more sort of by accident i mean uh, seeing the seeing the chaos in afghanistan i think that plan is not going to be realized but Mm -hmm. uh, turkey yes they the government they try to play an active role in in afghanistan too and in ironic way actually uh the west uh, needs that too because uh in a way turkey is one of the only countries uh can talk to many actors uh, in the region. Mm-hmm. And it's not only about this government. I mean, uh, historically, there are these this ties. And even for the NATO soldiers in Afghanistan, I know that many uh, many NATO uh, vehicles, for example, they were just using the Turkish flag when they were just traveling between different parts of uh, oh, okay. Afghanistan. So, I mean, being active in Afghanistan, Syria, Libya, in different parts of the world, is not a bad thing per se, but the main issue here is predictability. I mean, in the past, Turkey was a predictable and reliable partner, and this image has changed a lot, I think, in in the last 10 years. So otherwise, I think the West needs Turkey, Turkey needs West, and there is this reciprocal need, and Russia or China, or even Russia and China combined, cannot really present an alternative to Turkey. And in return, the West really needs Turkey against uh, this threat as well, Russian Russian and Chinese. And actually, even certain policies mm. of Turkey, probably in Libya and Afghanistan, are actually not even against the interests of the West, sometimes mm. even in the interest of uh, some Western countries, including the US. The issue is more about trust, um, predictability, and the culture of working together. And this makes uh, everything much more complicated for both sides. And this is really, I think, very difficult to restore uh, as long as AKP is in power. But, of course, we need to watch closely as well, because in case of a political change after the elections, um, this dynamics may change a lot too. And we may see a moment where we can say Turkey's back, just like Biden said for the United States. Well... Um, that's that's very interesting, and uh, we uh, we will of course uh, monitor this uh, this closely, um, especially the uh, the upcoming two years ahead of the uh, the Turkish uh, election uh, will be I think fascinating to uh, to continue to monitor what's uh, what's going on there. Uh, I thought this was a very informative uh, conversation. So so um, Murat, thank thank you very much for that. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. And uh, of course, we'll uh, we'll stay in touch. Eh? Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.
the Brussels Report podcast.